A welcome and greetings to each one here this morning. <clears throat> it's been a rich morning. It's been good to be here. It's um, always with a little, how would you say, kind of anxiety on my heart when you have the second message and you... Uh, Somebody gets up in the first message and he starts quoting your scriptures and you, and you just say, praise God. <clears throat> Brother Vernon didn't really do that this morning, but he did lay a perfect foundation for what I wanted to share. And I was just amazed at how well, of all the things that I wanted to say and didn't feel like I had time to say, that went with my message came out in the in the first message, and I thank you, brother, for that. <clears throat> I um, sometimes it's <clears throat> it's hard to know what to say, and sometimes it's hard to know what to preach about because it is a it is a, an amazing thing to stand up here before you and before God and to try to figure out and hear from God what God wants the church to hear. And sometimes I can, I I find myself spending hours and hours preparing something and then it's just not even what God wanted. Have you ever done that? And I almost feel that way this morning. It's I have a I have a message here and I believe that it was it was given by the spirit of God but I'm not sure how it's going to all turn out so uh, anyway pray for me <clears throat> before we begin let's pray Lord we thank you for your word we thank you for your spirit and we thank you that you've given us this beautiful day and help us Lord to rejoice and be glad in it Thank you for the church here. Thank you for each brother and sister. And thank you, Lord, for this special time. And help us, Lord, to uh, to glorify you. Lord, don't let me say anything you don't want me to say. Help me, Lord, to only say those things that you want me to say. And Lord, I just pray for grace and wisdom and strength to know how to to stand here and <clears throat> portray to the to this group of us what you want us to hear this morning, Lord. Have your way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> For a text verse this morning, I'd like to turn to Hebrews chapter 7, looking at verses 15 and 16. This is something that I came across here quite a number of years ago, and I had studied into that some and thought one day that I would love to hear a message preached on these verses. And uh, yesterday as I was praying and just seeking God, and it just seemed this phrase kept coming back and coming back over and over again. Verse 15, it says, And it was yet far more evident for that after the similitude of Melchizedek there ariseth another priest who is made not after the law of the carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. And this morning I would like to 
speak about the power of an endless life. <clears throat> we know that in the priesthood, if you were to be a priest in the time of the children of Israel there, you would need to be of the lineage of Levi. The priests were Levites. Those were the priests. And if you aspired to be a priest and you were not of the right lineage, you would not be a priest. Am I correct in that? I don't think there were any priests that were not Levites. God had ordained it that the Levites would be the priests, would would carry on the responsibility of the priesthood. <clears throat> and I, I'm sure all that was in God's order and it was the way he had designed that. But here, Jesus was a, was a priest. And he was kind of like this Melchizedek. But he wasn't a Levite. Jesus was of the tribe of Judah. And so how could Jesus be a priest if he was not of the tribe of Levi? <clears throat> and it kind of reminds me of the problem that Peter, James, and John had and the, and the other disciples. They weren't all Levites. One was a tax collector. One was a doctor. They weren't Levites. They weren't supposed to be priests. They weren't supposed to be preaching. Can you get the picture of kind of this dilemma that, that some of the disciples had? They, they just weren't of the right lineage. And that was one of the problems that the Pharisees had such a tremendous issue with Christ and his followers that uh, some were Gentiles then later on. And it just seemed like there was something more behind Jesus and his followers that didn't quite meet the status quo of the carnal commandments, so to speak. He was, he was a priest <clears throat> sent from God. And he says here, who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. <clears throat> when Jesus rose from the dead, he conquered death. He conquered sin. <clears throat> in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55, it says, death is swallowed up in victory. And then in 57, it said, the sting of death is sin. Jesus came to conquer sin. And the priests, the Levitical priesthood was there to take, to cover the sin, to, to appease the sin, so to speak. But here is a priest with the power of an endless life that abolished sin. He was victorious over death, over hell and over sin. It's a different priest. <clears throat> Not to diminish the, the Levitical priesthood. I think it was set in motion by God. It was ordained of God. It was designed the way God wanted it. 
But there was also in God's plan to send a priest the power of an endless life that was more than the Levitical priesthood. Jesus conquered sin. We all believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again the third day. And most of us here cannot remember not knowing that. Can you remember when you did not know that? I can't. I can't remember not knowing that Jesus died on the cross. Most of us have been around Bible-believing people all of our lives. You know, it's just our parents, our grandparents believed the Bible. We grew up with that. We know that. We know those things. Most of us have never, we cannot remember the day we didn't know anything about the Bible. And that is good. But you know, sometimes I fear that I myself as a Christian, I miss the fullness of the power of the resurrection, the fullness of the power of the endless life. So what is the key? What is the key to this, the power of the endless life? Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3 there, verse 10, he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Paul wanted to know this. Paul had been, Paul knew the scriptures. Paul was kind of like a little Amish guy that grew up in, in, in knowing it ever since he was as far back as he could remember. He knew the he knew the commandments of God. He knew he he was a Levite, and he was I don't know if he was of the tribe of Levi, but he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He, but there was something that he was missing, and he wanted to know this. And in verse ten, there it says that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection. And then he says, in the fellowship of his suffering. And then he says, and being made conformable unto his death. You know, we like the word power. We want the power of God. We would like to have this power, this resurrection power, this power that gives us victory over sin and conquers hell and death and, and that sets us free of all the things that would want to take us down. We want that. But sometimes we don't want the suffering that comes with it. We don't want the suffering. We don't want to be made conformable unto the death of the cross. And, I, and therein, I think, lies the great key to the power of an endless life. Is if we are willing to die with him, we can be raised with him. <clears throat> I'm going to flip there to Philippians real quick here. Verse 
that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize and the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> and up here in the, earlier in the chapter, he says, he lists all the credentials and the things that he had and all the things that he did. And he was circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness, which is of the law, blameless. But he had no power. <clears throat> and he knew. I think God opened his eyes and he knew that if he wanted this power, the power of an endless life, the power of the resurrection, he was going to have to embrace the suffering of Jesus and the cross, being made conformable unto his death. And I like verse 15, it says, and let us therefore as many as be perfect, be thus minded. If you want to be perfect, you need to be thus minded, he says. <clears throat> Paul knew. Paul learned through his Christian experience. He knew how to, how to walk in this. In chapter 4, verse 12, he says, I now I know both how to be abased and how to abound. And everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. <clears throat> and he says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. <clears throat> if you want to do an interesting study sometime, just study the word suffering through the scriptures. It's too many. Too many to quote here this morning. But suffering, suffering so many times proceeds power, proceeds greatness. Suffering, hurting, all of that is all a part of God's plan. <clears throat> it's kind of like it's kind of like a farmer knows that if he puts that seed in the ground, it's going to have to die. If it don't die, it abides alone. I mean, that's almost scriptural. It, it abides alone. It's one kernel. But if it dies, it brings forth fruit. It comes up. It creates another good stock of corn and in our day and time, it'll produce two good ears, not just one. <clears throat> and it will increase many, many fold. But I believe so many times we shy away from the suffering. I shy away from the suffering. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to hurt. I don't want to lack. I don't want to face needs. I, I want it. 
And we, and we live in such an affluent time in our life that we can have anything we want. And if, if we can't, if we don't have the money for it, we can borrow the money. We can have anything we want. <clears throat> I saw a sign here, here a while back. It says, so you can have anything you want. Why don't you want to, why don't you be kind? If you can have anything you want, if you can be, I think it said, if you can be anything you want, then be kind. I thought that was kind of neat. But anyway, <clears throat> I don't think it's wrong to have plenty to eat and have a roof over our heads. We want that. We pray for that. We provide that for our children. But somehow, somehow I think, and, and I, this is the part that I'm not sure exactly how to make come out right. But somehow I think we shortchange ourselves. If we shy, totally shy away from suffering and want, somehow we, we, we miss the fullness of the power of the resurrection that only comes to those that come up hard, I, I would say, maybe, or, or whatever. I, I don't know exactly how to put that because we know that these things are a blessing from God. And I think everything that we have is a gift from God and God gives us fully uh, the fullness of this, the earthly things to enjoy. And I don't think that is wrong, but somehow somehow it's there's a there's a fullness of the power that only comes to those that suffer <clears throat> Paul said in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 he said I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I live I can't get all of that let me just flip there real quick <clears throat> thought I could quote that. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. <clears throat> but he says, I am crucified with Christ. He realized that unless he identified with that, It would be hard to, to live with Christ if we don't die with Christ. And I think we know that. It is so hard to attain to the power of the resurrection if we are not made first made conformable to his death. <clears throat> but we say we don't want to die. We don't want to hurt. We don't want to suffer. <clears throat> but you know, in reality... Satan has no power over those who have the power of the resurrection. Think about that. <clears throat> Jesus Christ was a came in the power of an endless life. That means that when he was victorious over hell and death and sin that he was victorious. And somehow the enemy had no power over him at that point. 
And we can have that. I believe he wants us to have that. To where we somehow, with the power of the resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering and being made conformable to his death, we we can put on, God will give us the gift of of an endless life. That we can experience a small part of eternal life here and now. Somehow, not that we will never be tempted, but somehow we can have the power. I believe God gives us the power to be victorious over sin. I want the power. But sometimes I just don't want what it takes to get there. You know, suffering can make us better or it can make us bitter. I know of a man, when I was a boy, I was just a young teenager and there was a young young man in the church there that was diagnosed of kidney failure. And he went through, he was on dialysis for a time as a teenager and then he had a kidney transplant and there were a tremendous amount of hospital bills and whatever and whatever and all of that. And through all of that, <clears throat> the church helped a lot with that. And somehow through, the, through all the functions of the, the money and all that, I don't know how it all happened, whatever, but the dad got seriously offended. Somehow he didn't feel like that he had to pay too many of the bills and the church didn't help enough and I don't know what all the details were, but this dear brother made a big issue out of that and he carried this thing in his heart. He just he just let this thing eat on him and eat on him and it was in his mind and he, it just became a mountain in his mind and he turned into a bitter man. And you would talk to him, and, and just in a matter of a few minutes, he would be there. Now, let me tell you about this Simon Yoder. That was always, and he just, he just regurgitated that whole scenario over and over and over again. And he would talk about it to anybody that wanted to listen and, and many that didn't want to listen. But he just, he was full of it, just full of it. His children were just full of it. Not all of them, maybe. The one son kind of sided with his dad. I don't know. People tried to help him and tried to help him. As far as I know, and he's dead and gone now. Maybe I shouldn't even relate the story. As far as I know, he died as a bitter man because someone misused him. Someone didn't treat him quite fair way back in 1975 or 78, whenever it was. And his life was just, just like that. He finally left the area and moved to Florida, and, and yeah, his family kind of fell apart, and I don't know what all happened. I always felt sorry for him. I was really good friends with, with one of his boys, and later on in his life, uh, the son, he had also left the area and moved to Illinois. And, and I, I believe that 
the son really got born again. He, he really got changed in his life. And he went back to his dad and he said, Dad, we're going to have to just lay this down. I don't want to talk about this one more time. I just, we want to forgive and forget. And his dad got all upset over him and he turned against his son that had, had found such peace in his heart. <clears throat> and then we all know people who, who life somehow dealt them some hard knocks. Have you, you've known anybody that just, it just seemed like God tested them over and over and they, they lose this and they lose that and they suffer here and they suffer there. And it just seems they get sweeter. And they get sweeter. And they get kinder. And they, it seems like they have power over sin. Sin don't even molest them anymore, it seems like. And they live as if something supernatural is helping behind the scene. You know anybody like that? We all know somebody, we all know people like that. And it just seems like they just, they've suffered and they've suffered. And they just come out, it looks like gold in the fire. You know what I'm saying? Could it be that this is the power of the endless life, the power of the resurrection, an eternal life filled or comes, they're just filled with this a little piece of eternal eternity, and it's a gift from God. And it almost seems that God reserves that handful of extra special measure for those that suffer a lot. You ever notice that? That don't turn their hand away from being from suffering and, and facing hardships. I don't understand all that. But it, I've almost learned in my short lifetime that that's kind of how it works. <clears throat> and it seems they these type of people, they realize that life is temporary at best. You know, it's just, it just don't have a lot of hold on them anymore. They just, they just kind of want to go on to this, to more of this endless life that's not here. It's over there. The real life, the eternal life, the endless life is forever. It's permanent. It's powerful. And it flows out of the hand of God. The one who reached down and took Jesus out of the grave and raised him up the third day. That's what I want. That's what I want. Will I shy away from the suffering that it takes to get there? I hope not. Or will I turn bitter when life hands me a lemon? Will I just become bitter and sour? Or will I make lemonade?
First Peter chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, it says, There, turn to that. <clears throat> for as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. I used to never be able to understand that verse. And I'm like, "Just, just suffering doesn't erase sin, does it? But I think sometimes the the extra measure of grace of God comes down on those that are willing to embrace suffering. And I don't believe that this is actually something that we can just drum up ourselves. I mean, sometimes we suffer a lot in life, but it's at our own hands. We do things, just stupid things sometimes, or even intentional things or unintentional things that bring hardship on our life. I don't think that's the kind of suffering that he's talking about here. I think the type of suffering that he's talking about here is the suffering. When someone says something about you that they don't understand. They don't understand it as good as you do. And you just want to defend that thing to the last breath you have because they defamed you. But you say nothing. Or you just say a kind word in return and you just suffer with that. You suffer with that reproach. That's the type of suffering that I think he's talking about. Chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 10 says, But the God of all grace, who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect. Establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Will we embrace that? We all want to be perfect. We want to be established. We want to be strengthened. We want to be settled in our faith. But sometimes it just seems like God needs us to kind of go through the valley so that we can enjoy the mountain again. Will we allow God to do that in our lives? I want the power of an endless life in my life. I want that for you. I want that for all of us. Will we embrace what it takes to get there? May God bless you.